Oh, hey, Rebels. I bet you're expecting Ezra Levant's melodious voice, but no, it's me, Sheila Gunry, and I'm filling in for the big boss man tonight as he's away. Tonight, we are talking to Rebel News reporter Jeremy Lafredo about his petition to support an Amish Pennsylvania farmer in his battle against the federal government for the crime of selling his produce to willing consumers. I know, it's a crime, apparently, according to the American government. And then I am in my monologue tonight explaining why I think some of these internet COVID cults are a direct response to the absolute madness of the politicians and their restrictions over the last two and a half years. I'll thread the needle. You're going to have to pay attention, though. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch early and ad-free, you need to be a subscriber to something we call Rebel News Plus. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. You've got access to Ezra's Nightly Ezra Levant Show, my Wednesday night show, The Gun Show, Andrew Chapados's show, Andrew Says, David Menzies' show, Rebel Roundup, and Kat and Nat's show, Misunderstood. It's only eight bucks a month for all that. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription when you use the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. Again, super easy, rebelnewsplus.com. Now, if you are listening to us and not watching us, can you do me a favor? Leave a five-star review wherever you find us. That's a great way to help other people find the show, but it also helps us beat CBC and their $1.5 billion in subsidies in the podcast ranking. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Politicians have created a Frankenstein monster. Now they're the ones that are upset their monsters running through the village frightening all the townspeople and reporter Jeremy Lafredo joins me to discuss the American government's war on an Amish farmer in Pennsylvania it's August 18th 2022 I'm Sheila Gunreed but you are watching the Ezra Levant show shame on you you censorious bug I've given a lot of thought about why the trucker convoy happened at all. Why did these normal people and often blue-collar people from all across the country with obvious other things to do decide to take a month of their lives at great personal cost to go to Ottawa to protest the federal government? Now, the more I think about coming up with a complex answer to all of this, the answer is so simple. It's because somebody had to do something and nobody else was. And frankly, I think I'm simplifying that a little bit too when I say nobody else was. Our friends at the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms have been fighting against lockdown restrictions from the very beginning. They've been acutely attuned to just how the government has been using the backdrop of the coronavirus pandemic to give more and more power and more and more control to itself. Likewise, with our friends at the Democracy Fund, they've been helping so many people through the Fight the Fines initiative, helping people fight their lockdown tickets in court at no cost to them through your generous crowdfunded donations. And they've also been bringing strategic litigation against the federal government 
throughout the course of the pandemic about COVID jails, vaccine passports, and now they are interveners in the Emergencies Act Commission. And we know people are out there protesting every single week. So I'm not entirely accurate when I say that nobody has been doing anything. But the people whose jobs it is to protect our civil liberties, well, there were tumbleweeds blowing through the spots where they should have been standing these last two and a half years, right? The politicians whose job it is to make sure that they don't draft rules and regulations that just stomp all over the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Well, they did exactly the opposite. They disregarded the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to grant themselves more and more power and inject themselves into every single aspect of our lives. They told us who we could have in our homes, where we could travel, who could sell us a burger, and how many people would be with us when we buried our dead. Academia disregarded evolving science to enforce political solutions. People who had spent their entire academic careers examining ethics when challenged with an ethical dilemma failed to rise to the test. Courts were no longer considering the Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which should guide all judicial decisions. And they ruled against people who were exercising their charter protected rights of expression, religious freedom and association. The media, which is supposed to have a job that speaks truth to power and holds politicians to account, were holding the people to account instead. They were cheerleading the politicians and attacking those who differed from the official government narrative. Our employers, well, maybe yours, but not mine, they didn't care about how hard we worked or how often we showed up. They only cared about what medicines we stuck in our bodies as a term of our employment, changing our contracts after the fact. The police who we thought were out there to protect our communities and protect our civil liberties were the ones clubbing us for peacefully protesting. People were banned from traveling, banned from church, banned from meeting, banned from eating inside, banned from their friends and family's houses, isolated and alienated, banned from their jobs, banned from medical treatment, politicians, maybe even the ones you voted for, called you names and accused you of thinking or being horrific things. Remember this? But they have decided that they're going to take over the government of Alberta. There's nothing moral about this. People who think I am involved in a global conspiracy to traffic children. Literally, literally showing up to vote on April 9th. It's not just COVID craziness, by the way. Preston Manning used to say that a bright light attracts a few bugs. Well, there's more than a few bugs attracted to us, this party right now. Because of COVID and other anger. But generally, these are, I'm just going to tell you guys, I don't say this stuff publicly, these are just kooky people, generally. I mean, you're, all of that noise on social media, all the chatter, the lunatics are trying to take over the asylum. And I'm not going to let them. I will not let that happen. I will not let this mainstream conservative party become a, uh, an agent for extreme hateful, intolerant, bigoted, and crazy views. These marginal voices do not represent Albertans. They certainly do not represent the United Conservative Party. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But don't think you can get on a plane or a train besides vaccinated people and put them at risk. We on va s'en sortir de cette pandémie par la vaccination. Puis on sait, on en connaît tous des gens qui sont en train d'hésiter un petit peu. On va continuer d'essayer de les convaincre. Mais il y a aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Qui sont extrémistes. Qui croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, qui sont souvent racistes aussi. C'est un, 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 un petit groupe, mais qui prend de la place. 
Et là, il faut faire un choix en tant que leader, en tant que pays. Est-ce qu'on est qu tolère? We, we have, you know, a bunch of yahoos out in the front of Queen's Park, sitting there protesting that the place isn't open, as they're breaking the law and putting everyone in jeopardy. And if you questioned anything that was happening to you in a public way, maybe on social media, you were immediately banned from that too. Politicians ignored the cries of the people as the people spiraled into despair and fear. Politicians created extreme isolation and a sense that the times were just so crazy that they couldn't even be real at all. So is it any wonder in the midst of all of this madness that an internet cult arose? Frankly, I'm surprised it took so long when you think about the conditions that cults need. Cults require isolation to increase indoctrination while the politicians already did that to the people through their mandates, didn't they? And cults, well, they need people to cut off communication with their friends and family. And if the politicians didn't already do that, well, no worry, big tech certainly did. Cults offer secret knowledge, a solution only they have to an insurmountable societal problem before you. All you have to do is follow blindly. Now, every cult exists in the ethos of its time. The Manson family thrived in the hedonistic free love hippie culture of sex and drugs. And then drugs became the fuel of murder. The cult of Queen Romana exists in the ethos of our time here in Canada. Where people charged with upholding the law are they themselves so lawless and the law so toothless that Romana's laws, explanations and excuses seem reasonable to the most desperate amongst us. It's predatory. Do you know who Queen Romana is? I've been watching her out of the corner of my eye for about the last year. I know my friend Andrew Chapados has done an extensive report on her in the past. She claims to be the Queen of Canada, get this, after the Queen of England was executed and then Romana was installed as the secret queen of our country by the American military. I know. Who knew? Romana's amassed quite a group of followers online, including on her Telegram channel, because she's basically been booting off, booted off every other social media platform, creating exclusivity. She's the queen of the latest incarnation of QAnon, and she tries to attach herself to the freedom movement as cult leaders tend to do. They see which way the wind is blowing, and then they go in that direction as well. That's how you get followers. Now, if I recall correctly, and I think I am, Romana's followers even raised about 60,000 bucks for her to buy a used RV to drive across Canada, which is, I guess, her dominion now, and spread the good word of her cult. Now, all of this brings me to Peterborough Mayor Diane Tyrion. I'll get to her in a second, but we need to talk a little bit more about crazy Queen Romana and the insane actions of her followers. A couple of days ago, some people, upon the direction of Queen Romana, decided to go to the local Peterborough police station and perform citizens' arrests on local police officers there. It's one of those things Queen Romana tells her followers to do, not that she would ever do it herself, because... Even she knows deep in her heart that she's not the Queen of Canada, and if she did the things that she says her followers should do, she would be arrested. Although she's perfectly fine to sit in her mini Winnie and watch other people do it. Anyway, as expected, the citizens' arrests on behalf of Queen Romana, well, they didn't go well, and ultimately the people involved were charged. And Queen Romana, she receded into our, her RV like a QAnon Charles Manson without all the charismatic, manic energy inspiring her followers to do that which she would never do. And Peterborough Mayor Diane Tyrion, well, she took to Twitter to call those involved F-wads. Now, let's just set aside how ridiculously unprofessional that is for a second, because I think that's a secondary issue. Tyrion drove these people into the arms of Queen Romana. Times are so crazy, and people are so disoriented, 
that for some, what Queen Romana says seems normal. They're desperate for answers, and no one, especially the politicians, is providing anything. Now, instead of stopping and taking a moment of introspection to think about their role in driving people into the arms of this madwoman, the politicians only have what they've always had for desperate people, invective and spite and malice. Queen Romana is the Frankenstein monster created by our politicians over the last two and a half years. And now the politicians are shocked because their Frankenstein monster is stomping all over the town, scaring the villagers. They did this. They own Queen Romana, but just like Queen Romana, they don't like responsibility either. Stay with us. Jeremy Lafredo joins us after the break to discuss the government crackdown on an Amish farmer in Pennsylvania and what Jeremy's doing to help. Sometimes politicians leave a void where crazy people can step into, but sometimes government just flows into every aspect of your life where there is no space between you and the government, and that creates conflict, pain, strife, and sometimes financial hardship. And joining me now is Rebel News reporter Jeremy Lafredo, and he's going to bring us the story of a Pennsylvania Amish farmer who, I guess as the story goes, has been butting up against the government for a very long time. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Give us the backstory of this one prickly, I guess, Pennsylvania Amish farmer. And, and I don't think of the Amish as prickly, <laughs> but I guess yeah, you, you, you normally don't. make difficult people. <laughs> of course. There's this farmer in, in bird in hand, Pennsylvania, and, you know, it's a very old Amish village um, in central Pennsylvania, um, pretty remote, kind of far from everything else. And um, there's a farmer named Amos Miller, and he's been farming for, you know, 25 years. Um, no electricity, um, no fertilizer, no gasoline. Um, he has really, really impressive um, crop yields using only the, only the oldest of methods. Um, totally organic. He has milk. He has beef. He has um, different types of sheep. He has chicken, all types of vegetables. And he has a private buyer's club of about 4,000 people all across the country that pay him top dollar for his food. And um, the government doesn't like this idea of a private buyer's club. Um, they have um, raided his farm with armed federal agents and they have said he needs to stop selling his meat until he gets regulated um, by the federal uh, agencies whose job it is to, you know, regulate food. Um, and he says, you know, the way you guys regulate it, um, it kind of um, hurts the nutrition of the food. You know, you wash it in these things, you, you go to these, um, you give them these um, vaccines, the, the cows get all types of medicine. I don't do any of that. Um, so I think if going through your regulatory process will actually hurt the quality of my food. Um, and that's what I'm being paid top dollar for is this high quality food. Um, so they are uh, fining him hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and they've actually sent armed federal agents there to take inventory of his meat and of his dairy. And um, they visit him to make sure that he's not selling anything and that he's not um, ramping up his production in any way. Um, so that's where he is now. 
He's figuring out um, how to fight the federal government, what he's going to do. And, you know, he's been put in this really tight spot along with the people who, um, uh, you know, look for him, look to him for this food. They, they're not getting their meat and dairy right now because of the government. So that's what's happening right now. You know, this is crazy because it sounds like he's farming exactly how the way the government would like the rest of us farmers to farm. Um, no fertilizer, no gasoline, no diesel, no electricity, no fossil fuels, no problems. He's doing exactly, he's doing exactly what the World Economic Forum would like him to do as a farmer. Somehow he's making go, go of it. God bless him. Um, but they're still cracking down on him. And what you've described, I think, would be a, a cooperative where he has this private buyer's club. He's not selling anything into the food supply sneakily, right? Like, I, I think that's where I you would think that regulators would get upset, where, you know, this this certain kind of food is ending up in the food supply along with the other inspected food. And, and so they should step in then, but people are actually seeking him out specifically because yeah, uh, there's a, that's, that's a great of point. the way he, the way he purchases it or the way he produces it. So, um, you know, nobody is involved in this unwittingly or unwillingly. So where's the room for the government here? That's a great point. These people who are part of his, you know, private buyers club, um, they sign a waiver. You know, they pay money to be part of this club specifically because his food is prepared in the way it's prepared. Um, you know, it's not like they are paying for a certain product and they are unknowingly getting food that's not inspected by the federal government. This is exactly what they want. Um, and it's not, you know, snuck into the food supply. Like you said, you know, you can't go to the store. You're not you're not. Um, it's not getting shipped to places that you aren't aware that this is the food that it is. Um, it's a private buyer's club. So that's, that's what he's arguing to the government. He's saying, you know, this food is, is not, uh, you don't have to worry about it. It's not ending up in any supply chain uninspected. This is exactly what people are seeking me out for. So that's sort of the argument he's using. And I think it's pretty valid. Yeah. I think everybody involved in this is consenting to the transaction. Um, and so you, you say they sent, armed guards or armed officials yeah, U.S. Marshals. To, to inspect his farms. This is atrocious to me. I know a thing or two about our Anabaptist friends. Um, where I am, uh, we do have a, a large quantity of Mennonites where I am, but also Hutterites too. So that's another Anabaptist sect. And by and large, they're mostly all pacifist. And mm. so to turn up at a pacifist farm with armed sheriffs marshals to ins I, I mean surely he would have just allowed them on his property because he's a pacifist so what's with the show of force exactly and that's exactly what it was it was a show of force um it just speaks to how upset the government gets when you try to do things independently whether you're a pacifist or not they don't care they they will show you they have guns and you don't have guns and um that's that seems like all it was it was you know why do you need guns to um, take a inventory of meat and dairy. This is not something you need firearms for, um, but uh, you know, it didn't stop them from bringing their guns. You know, and again, they pulled up you know in these giant SUVs, guns, bulletproof vests. Like you don't, these are people who have horses and don't have any guns. So it, it really is um, just to show them um, what the what they're capable of, rather than something that is actually um, required. Yeah, it speaks to the government 
participating in community-wide intimidation where, you know, this might be this one farmer's farm, but don't the rest of you get any uh, mm -hmm. cute ideas about uh, replicating what's happening here on this farm. That's what I think is going on. These small cloistered close communities, word travels fast. If the police raid a farm in an Amish community, it sure spreads like wildfire through the Amish community. I think, And I think it serves to tell everybody else, you know what, you better toe the line too, because you don't want to end up like this guy. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And that, you know, there are other farms, there's tons of other organic, um, you know, farms, independent farms in the U.S. that aren't beholden to, you know, federal subsidies or, you know, big corporations, chemicals like they there are tons of other farms and they hear the story and they think, you know, wow, they, they brought armed guards to these to these farms. And, and these people, um, you know, let it be known, these people do have guns and do have SUVs. So um, it, it's less for um, the Amish people and more for anyone else who in the country who um, hears this story sort of as a, as a warning. Um, that's at least the way, the way I see it and the way a lot of people see it. Yeah. You know, and farmers trying to sell their goods and services to willing participants. And the moral of the story is if you do try to cut the government out of the equation, they're going to show up on your doorstep with guns. Now, this isn't the first time. I mean, this is sort of just again, coming to a head in this community, but this has been an ongoing percolating dispute, I think, between this farmer and the federal government for quite some that's time. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's true. A couple of years ago, um, they tried to shut him down using uh, similar logic, and um, he did not shut down. And they actually took a, a sample of his, of his milk and said that they found a similar bacteria in his milk that was biologically similar, which is the, uh, the term they used, to a um, listeria sample that they took from someone who died of listeria in Florida. That's what they said, they died of listeria. This person, um, this person actually died of leukemia. You know, they had cancer. Um, and so they're, they're really pulling um, all of the strings and they're, they're trying to, um, you know, make whatever, th throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. You know, is this a listeria outbreak? Um, are they um, not inspecting their meat properly? You know, whatever they can come up with the federal government they're using to try to get this guy out of business. Um, and even the family came out um, who supposedly, you know, the mother supposedly died of listeria. The, the family came out and said she died of cancer. And, and we, we don't like that the government is using, um, you know, our mother as a, as, as a way to try to sh uh, shut this farm down. We, we appreciated all of his, all of his food and all of his uh, work. And we don't think that his food led to our mother who had leukemia led to her death. So, you know, this is this was a couple of years ago um, and, you know, they've bought, kind of been locking horns for a good while. And locking horns is, you know, that's impressive when you consider it's a small farm and, the you know, the entire U.S. federal government. Um, so, you know, we're just at the latest, uh, you know, um, dispute between the two. And who knows where it's going to go from here? You know, it's a it's a weird phrase for them to use biologically similar um, because that doesn't mean that it is the same strain. Uh, as you know, no. humans are biologically similar to gorillas, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not a gorilla. Um, and I think this is sort of it goes to the moral of the story of the last two years, where if you were someone who was sort of self-sustaining or if you didn't look to the government as your solution, your protector and your uh, permitter, then you were quickly smashed down. You were that tall poppy that was cut down. We saw it in Canada with our pastors, with our businesses that tried to reopen. 
but it is a theme. It happened during the coronavirus pandemic, but it has always been a theme. If you are one of those self-sustaining people who doesn't think that the government needs to be involved in every aspect of your lives, that's when the government decides to get involved with you, as we can see in this uh, Amish community. Uh, now, Jeremy, you are advocating for this farmer as best you can. Now, you've been very respectful because these cloistered Amish communities, they don't often welcome the TV cameras um, and they don't always want to be filmed. Um, so you've been respectful in your dealings with this community. But tell us how you are advocating for them. Sure. So um, right now we're collecting signatures for a, a petition to, you know, leave Amos Miller alone and let his farm, um, you know, sell his food through his private buyers club as he's been doing successfully for years. Um, it's at leavethemalone.com. You can sign the petition there. It's leavethemalone.com. And if you sign the petition there and we get enough signatures, I'm going to bring it personally to the um, Eastern District Court of Pennsylvania, where the federal government is filing their complaints against Amos. Um, so I will deliver to them um, and you can sign the petition at leavethemalone.com and um, we'll see uh, how many signatures we can get. If we get enough, um, hopefully we can we can help Amos out. Well, Jeremy, I sure appreciate the work that you're doing to advocate for this farmer. As you know, I am a farmer and I also think the, go the government should stay out of our lives. So uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I, I also appreciate the care with which you're treating this story, um, respecting their traditions while trying to tell their story to a broader audience. Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Stay with us more up next after the break. We've reached the portion of the show where, unlike the mainstream media, we actually want your viewer feedback. We want to know what you think about the work that we're doing here at Rebel News and the stories that we're covering. And one of the best ways to get your letter read on air is to leave a comment where you see our work. First letter to Ezra refers to Ezra's interview the other day with James Lindsay on the sexualization of children and Epstein and Bill Gates. Evan Duquette writes, James Lindsay is the guy who can explain where all this weirdness is coming from and what it is for. The fact that they banned him from Twitter proves how important he is. It's not just that they banned James Lindsay from Twitter, although he puts a very public human face to all of this. Twitter and social media is enforcing the normalization of sexualization of our kids and they are silencing anybody who speaks out if you use the word okay groomer to describe grooming children you will be banned and you know the idea that they are doing this under the excuse that they say it's attacking lgbtq people i think is inherently homophobic because it presumes that LGBTQ people are okay with grooming children. And I really don't think they are. I think groomers are okay with grooming children. And I think whether, you know, whether you were taking kids to a heterosexual strip club or a drag show, I think that is grooming no matter how you look at it. And there are a lot of people on both sides who are and continue to be outraged by this, but are silenced by big tech, who I think are probably protecting predators in their midst. Woofius 
on the same issue, writes, Speaking of children being preyed upon, don't forget the teachers' union in that mix. I won't, actually. I will direct you to a story here. Um, it was from Calgary, and it was just a few short months ago. Michael Gregory, a teacher, admitted he abused students in 2006, but the Teachers Association, that's the Teachers Union here in Alberta, never reported it to police. The Alberta Teachers Association investigators are under no obligation to report criminal behavior to police. So if the teachers union becomes aware of a molester in their midst, they don't have an obligation to go to police to protect kids. And I think that's outrageous. This information all came to light in the middle of a $14 million proposed class action lawsuit that was filed against the estate of the accused individual and the Calgary Board of Education by three plaintiffs who say they were victims of the teacher's abusive behavior. Gregory worked at John Ware Junior High in 1986 to 2006 as a math, science, and outdoor education teacher. And that last one gives me chills because outdoor education teachers frequently take young people away on trips. And the teachers' union, they knew of the complaints. It's just horrific. And our last letter tonight comes to us by way of Andre Corbet, who writes, Why are there so many Trudeau cronies guilty of the same offenses? I don't know if it's Trudeau cronies or just liberals in general or progressives in general, I should say. You know, just look at how many people in Hollywood knew about the crimes of Weinstein but did nothing to protect themselves and to further their own careers. Or how many women were willing to submit to Weinstein's aggressive come-ons if it meant that their career would move forward. People knew it was happening. They did nothing about it. That includes the Clintons, um, Oprah Winfrey's in the mix there. And the Clintons, you know, they were traveling in the same circles as Epstein. And we still don't know. Who was in Epstein's little black book? So there's a lot of people still protecting themselves. And, you know, when when people are all involved in the same thing, then everybody keeps their mouth shut. Because once the band-aid rips off, then everybody's in trouble. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to everybody in the HQ in Toronto and across the country who... I'll work hard behind the scenes to put the show together for you. Thanks to the boss for trusting me to fill in for him tonight. And as Ezra always says, keep fighting for freedom. Do you like all-age children events? I know that I used to, but that was when kids could be kids and not sexualized and not poisoned with adult issues or in constant confusion about what gender they aren't or aren't. How about when these events, which are all allegedly age-appropriate, are funded by taxpayer dollars, your dollars, to introduce little ones into what I am terming the transgender? Over the last few months, I've done some undercover work to help actually expose the real intention of this child grooming group of either wicked or misinformed individuals. My findings? Let me show you. I'd like to remind the audience that we only have access to this data through your generous donations to our Access to Information Filing Fund at rebelinvestigates.com. Visit there to donate more and help keep this important work possible. Speaking of the truth, not only did the City of Calgary spend over $71,200 
and $75 total on this traveling circus band. Pumpkin said, Daddy, you know that when I get dressed up as Miss Rita, it's just the same as anyone else getting dressed for work. Lawyers have suits, doctors have lab coats, and I have wigs and beads and glittery capes. But the event itself came under budget by about $9,000, as their expenditures on progressive gender-based books and tools of indoctrination did not exceed that budget set. The I'm all for tolerance and being left alone to live your life, but it's not what this is about. This is about not being left alone, not you, not your kids, and the psychological effects of injecting a child's mind with these extreme woke leftist ideologies is a very dangerous thing that we see taking place in our society. And while some parents might think that these drag readings are innocent, it's all love, it's all about inclusiveness, really I would have to disagree. If you wouldn't bring your child to a hetero strip club where women expose themselves in a similar matter, what is the difference between doing it in that fashion or in front of a man with 10 pounds of makeup on and a wig more or less shaking his junk in front of your child. I think that most of us have seen the videos that have come in from the US where there are children under the age of 18 sticking dollar bills into the thongs of men. There's nothing innocent about this. We'll have to follow along with the story to see just where that money went. But for now, I would like to thank you so much for tuning in. For Rebel News, I'm Celine Gallus.